Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome to another Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am your host, the self-proclaimed content machine, Liam Crowley, and I am joined by an incredible guest today. You've seen his work published on Bleacher Report, Fan Sided, and What Culture, and you've heard his voice all over WrestleRant Radio, the one, the only, Graham GSM Matthews. Graham, I am stoked to be back on a microphone with you once again. Yeah, it's been a couple months, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on, Liam. I appreciate the intro. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to top that, but uh, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate, or I rather apologize in advance for my voice being shut. I just got back from Mania like a couple of days ago, so I'm looking forward to this. Thank you for having me on. Well, on the topic of that, I wanted to get your Mania experience. You obviously were all over Dallas this past weekend going to WrestleMania. I don't know if you were at TakeOver, or not TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, excuse me, or any of the other independent events. What was the experience like? Walk me through it. Yeah, so I went, I tried to go to as much as I could. Um, the only thing that I would have liked to have gone to was um, the Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor show on Friday. That ran opposite of SmackDown. I know that wasn't a Tony Khan call. Um, that was already scheduled from the previous regime of Ring of Honor. So, listen, SmackDown sucked on Friday. But the only reason why I was there was to go to the Hall of Fame. I'd never been to a Hall of Fame ceremony before. Taker got inducted. That was awesome. That was really all I wanted to see, and that was a great time. So I was there. I did go to Stand and Deliver on Saturday morning, um, both nights of WrestleMania, obviously. I was there at Raw on Monday, and I went to a couple other stuff in between. I went to WrestleCon twice. I was at the MLW show on Thursday. That was really cool. A bunch of media stuff in between. Like, night one of Mania ended, and then by the end of it, I found out I was invited to the Cody Rhodes media scrum thing on Sunday morning, which was a lot of fun, but like I planned on Sunday morning, like not doing a lot before night two of Mania, and then come to find out, like, shit, I gotta get up again, like in the morning to go to this Cody Rhodes thing. But like, you can't, like, it's Cody Rhodes, and we'll be talking about it in a second. You love Cody, I love Cody, we all love Cody. So it was cool, but uh, no, it was an awesome experience. And I've been to a bunch of Mania weekends. This was probably, I sound like a broken record, but this was the best one yet. And uh, there was a lot of stuff going on, but I would have it no other way. I think there was one day where I literally got like, 90 minutes of sleep like it was that crazy but uh it was all it was all cool and fun stuff so i, I thoroughly enjoyed the weekend purely running on the adrenaline in your soul <laughs> a little teaser yeah. for what we're going to talk about just in a minute but yeah that sounds like a great time mania is on my bucket list and i'm going to check it off at some point in the next couple of years for certain but it's not just about the event itself it's not about the two-night extravaganza it's about the culture surrounding it the the little taste i got was when I went to uh, AEW Stadium show at Arthur Ashe uh, yep. New York City. And that was just a really cool cultural experience because it felt like a football tailgate, but for pro wrestling fans. And for, <laughs> uh, WrestleMania feels like that all blended into one. I'm super glad you had a fantastic time. So before we get into the top news going on in the world of pro wrestling, just a little reminder for anyone who's new to the Thursday edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. This is not your conventional Wrestling Inc. podcast where we're going to talk about a Raw, SmackDown, or AEW Dynamite. We're going to talk about the top news in the world of professional wrestling. And then the second half of this show, we're going to divide time into the world of entertainment. And this week and past weeks, we've talked some Marvel. We've talked some Star Wars. We're back on the Marvel train this week. We're chatting episodes one and two of Moon Knight. Myself and Graham are both big Marvel junkies. And I'm so stoked to get there. But first, let's get into your top wrestling news 
from this week, specifically today, talking about some potential NXT 2.0 call-ups. Fightful Select is reporting that both LA Knight and Raquel Gonzalez are being eyed for either Raw or SmackDown, and Raquel is the likely one considering her and partner Dakota Kai just dropped their NXT Women's Tag Titles after just winning them this past Friday at NXT Stand and Deliver. She has been someone that has been rumored for an NXT call-up multiple multiple times just the stars never aligned now it seems like they are knight on the other hand is being discussed for a main roster managerial role there's no word on whether this role would be preferred over him in a wrestling capacity graham that news off the top of both raquel and la knight which one do you seeing more which one do you see rather being more groomed for the main roster and what's your kind of reaction to la knight potentially shifting gears a little bit yeah, both I could see doing well on the main roster. I mean, we talk about like who could do well, who won't do well, but I feel like the biggest people who end up being successful on Raw and SmackDown from NXT are people like you wouldn't expect. I know we came back as Ezekiel on Monday, but like Elias exceeded all expectations. If you told me five or six years ago that he'd be on the main roster five years later, I would have never believed you because he did nothing in NXT. So who knows? I mean, there's also people like kind of in the LA Knight form, like who fits the same old, someone like an EC3 who you would think of. Why wouldn't this guy be successful? And that didn't pan out. So it, it really is a case-by-case basis. On the surface, though, I do think both Raquel and LA Knight can be successful on both Raw and SmackDown. I've always been a big LA Knight fan. Uh, he was in NXT once before, years and years ago, went to Impact, NWA, reinvented himself, got over in NXT. Uh, he's been uh, like a glorified loser lately. He's lost a lot of matches from a storyline standpoint. But, you know, the guy's a star. He can talk. He can work. He can he can connect with a crowd healer, babyface. The cards are aligned. If everything aligns, I think he could do well as a single star. You mentioned the rumor of him being a manager. To me, that that makes me scared because we heard the same thing for Adam Cole. They wanted him to like shave his head, and maybe change his name or something. I don't know. Um, thankfully, that didn't pan out. I'm very scared. He could be a great manager. The thing is, though, you look at the landscape of both shows right now. They need stars. So having him be a manager to me is the silliest thing. That's such a waste of someone who could be on Raw or SmackDown right now and be in a top-level spot. Like bringing in Cody was the smartest thing they could have done because that is a top baby face on the Raw roster. LA Knight could be a top heel or face on SmackDown right now. I mean, the SmackDown roster is awful. I'm sorry, but you look at who they have and who they lost. I mean, they let go of Hit Row. Jeff Hardy got canned. Cesaro left. Tony Storm left. There's a lot of people that are gone from SmackDown that could really fill that role. Raquel's another one as someone who can kind of fill that void over on Friday. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised and not really surprised, but Dakota guy keeps getting looked over. I guess she's probably never getting that call up, which is a shame. But Raquel's got the size. She's improved a lot from where she was a year ago. I think she would do well on either show. Um, The women... I feel like there's more of a lock that the women would do well because just there's not as many spots. So someone like Raquel, I think, will do fine. Ellen Knight is the one I'm worried about. And I think he's someone, again, like I said, that can go on to a top-level position in either show. It's more a matter of whether they want to utilize him in that fashion, though. So I'm not optimistic. But realistically speaking, would he do well? Could he do well? Absolutely. Because I think he has all the tools and he has the skill set to be successful in either show. And Jacob S is agreeing with you right here. He says LA Knight in a managerial role. Yikes, Adam Cole all over again. I'll push back a little bit. I don't think it's a full-on Adam Cole situation. Uh, Adam Cole, obviously, is a pro wrestler first. And the idea of him losing that probably shied him away. But what I think really scared him was shaving the head, 
new name, kind of just ditching everything he had been building for 10 plus years on the independent circuit and in NXT. Ellie Knight, on the other hand, if they let him keep his look and they let him keep his vibe, I think he could still find success because he's great in the ring. Don't get me wrong. But what sets him apart is his mic skills. He's mm-hmm. got catchphrases for days. The modern day what Stone Cold Steve Austin is an LA night. Yeah, like that's going <laughs> to go crazy with main roster crowds eventually. So I just want to see him on the main roster. I do also think he could maybe be in a Zelina Vega role here and bear with me on this. She was more of a manager for Andrade on NXT. By the time she got to the main roster, that's when they were like, oh, this girl can wrestle. Let's put her in more singles matches. I think there is a way he gets called up as a manager first. And then after a couple months, they go, wait, this guy should probably wrestle a little bit. Oh, my God, he's crazy over. Let's put Mm -hmm. a mid-card title on him and see what he can do. Uh, Jacob S. also mentioning that you could put him in a feud with McIntyre right away timothy absolutely agreeing that mcintyre and knight would be dynamite uh, la knight is a great baby face right now in nxt i do kind of like the idea of turning him heel once again to really up that fan support because fans want to get behind heels at a certain point and eventually that support will turn into cheers and then that will make them the biggest baby face in the world it seems like the long-term plan for roman reigns right now I think LA Knight, if he goes that way, call him up as a heel, you could have one of the biggest baby faces in the world on your hands eventually. I think so too. And the only thing I think that really works against them is his age. I mean, like 40 is not old, but like for WWE, they see that as old. I mean, we have a 60 year old Sting killing it right now in AEW. So <laughs> never say never, but they may look at that. I mean, I don't know. The weird thing is that like Damian Priest got called up and. I don't know if it was like Escobar is the same thing. I don't know if it's his age where they don't want to call him. I don't know. That guy is ready like yesterday, but like priest, they call up, he's 39, 40. And he kind of dipped a little bit recently before joining with edge, but he was us champion for like six months. Like he had a really good first year on the main roster, all things considered. So it's just weird. Again, like I said, it's, it's different with everyone. It really is. It's not like a, Oh, they only push this type of person and not, not that type of person or like, they were successful over there. So we don't want to push him over here. It really differs with everyone, but no, you're right. I, I totally agree. I think if they bring him up as a heel shines as a manager, you know, I think of someone like, you know, I don't know if this is a great comparison because he's not there now, but someone like Leo rush where I'm thinking the guy's amazing in the ring. Why would you bring him bring him up as a manager? And he shined with Bobby Lashley and they ended up putting him in a singles role. Um, he was cruiserweight champion after that. So yeah, I think something similar can happen with LA Knight. And like I said, I think he's tailor-made. If if he's tailor-made for Raw and SmackDown and he's already had success in NXT and he doesn't really fit NXT. I remember when he got called into NXT and people are like, why is he here? Like, he's not like a wrestler's wrestler. He's totally different. He's not a glorified indie guy. And he's gotten over big time. So I think he could be huge on the main roster. And, and again, hopefully they play their cards right with him and they have a star in their hands. I did always find it odd when they grouped him with the NXT OGs in that whole war games match. I was like, (laughs) he was there for six months. Yeah. He was there very briefly during the black and gold days. But you mentioned the idea of Dakota Kai getting overlooked and potentially being split from Raquel Gonzalez. Something that does seem to be in the cards as well as maybe an Imperium split or more of a fracture because it doesn't look like they're all going to go their separate ways, but there is a good chance only two thirds of them make it to the main roster. Fightful Select also reporting that Imperium is being considered for the blue brand SmackDown, but just Gunther and Marcel Bartel. Apparently Fabian Eichner would be the one staying behind in NXT. So a question for you I have, Graham, is the idea of Imperium moving up at first, before we talk about the Eichner stuff, do you like the idea of Imperium on the main roster? I do. I like the idea of anyone on the main roster. It's just more, it's just more a matter of like, 
are they going to use them correctly? I think that the chances with them are a lot, unfortunately, a lot less likely. They just don't fit the WWE mode. The, the, the WWE mode already in NXT in the last couple of months, Walter has had his name changed, mm-hmm. music changed as of last weekend. I mean, the odds of him being called up next week. Yeah, exactly. The odds of him getting called up next week and wearing friggin i don't know like uh overalls or something and he's yodeling <laughs> like cesaro was a decade ago are very 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 high so i don't know man they need stars so like i said uh well i'm gonna call him walter walter on the main roster i think is is money if they use him properly the weird thing is that with marcel <clears throat> with marcel bartel what do they do with him <clears throat> like walter is really the the cornerstone of that group like he's really the one that you build around eichner and marcel <clears throat> excuse me or the tag team, <clears throat> Jesus, or the tag team <laughs> of that group. So I'm curious kind of what you do with him on his own. Like he's not going to go over to the mid-card ranks and win the U.S. title, the IC title. So I don't know. The weird thing, I think Eichner of the two, Bartel is great. Eichner, he showed at War Games in that tag team title match with O'Reilly, Von Wagner, I think it was, and then obviously uh, Bartel. Eichner's a star, but I just, I don't know if this is the way you do it. I, I would call them up together, break them up from there at some point. I fear, I fear for Bartel. I feel like he's going to be the fall guy for Walter and then end up getting released at some point in the next couple of months. I really hope that's not the case. But uh, again, I just with Walter, you saw how they used him at Survivor Series a couple of years ago. He was in there for like, what, five minutes and got eliminated. <laughs> and the guy was undefeated at that point. So, <laughs> man, I'm scared. I'm, I'm more scared for him than probably anyone else. But I mean, they've already, it's not like he's getting called up with a new name in music because they already got, they already got that frustration out of the way. And maybe that's why they did that because they knew this was coming. Like LA Knight, same thing. If he was Eli Drake in NXT and he got called up as LA Knight, we all would have been frustrated, but they already kind of got that out of the way early. So I guess I'll give them credit for that, but I don't know. I, I would love to see a Roman Walter feud sometime this summer. I don't know if it's coming, but I think Walter or rather Roman needs opponents and Walter would fit that bill. So we'll see how he does. Yeah, a lot of jumping off points from what you were saying there. Um, the idea of Walter on the main roster, and again, like I want to call him Walter too. Like Gunther just sounds wrong. Like like <laughs> Walt, like on the record yeah. books, Walter is the one with the UK title reign that almost eclipsed a thousand days. Like, why would you differentiate? Uh, I don't know. We're not going to get into that. But the yeah. idea uh, of Gunther, where he is now going to the main roster, is a lot less appealing to me than say two or three years ago. I feel the same about Pete Dunne. I loved Pete Dunne during his UK title reign. I loved Peaky Blinders era Pete Dunne, British yeah. strong style Dunne. And now as Butch, he just kind of feels like just another guy. And a big testament to both Dunne and Walter for getting super cut and super in shape. But Walter, to me, for whatever reason, especially in that match against Braun Breaker this past Tuesday, he just kind of felt like another guy. Like before his physique like, sure, he wasn't chiseled by any means, but he was intimidating. He was imposing. Mm-hmm. I see this guy leaping off the top rope, and I'm terrified. It is the, <laughs> the line that me and my friends always reference from Nigel McGuinness during TakeOver New York when Pete Dunne faced Walter for the UK title. Nigel McGuinness called him a megalodon of a man from Austria. And that type of metaphor fit that Walter. Current Walter? kind of feels like just another guy which is so so unfortunate because he used to run the wwe nxt uk brand now in nxt 2.0 he doesn't feel like a main eventer compared to the Braun breakers and carmelo hayes of the world maybe that could change on smackdown but another thing you mentioned that i found interesting fabian eichner is a guy that wwe as a system seems like they had been behind for a very long time people forget back when nxt was black and gold nxt and was being treated as a third brand WWE developmental was basically Mm -hmm. evolve 
And when I was, when Evolve was touring and they came to Massachusetts a couple times, I caught a few shows. Fabian Eichner, when he was signed to NXT, was Evolve champion. Not Evolve's mid-card title, not Evolve uh, tag titles. The Street Profits are former Evolve tag champions. People forget that. Fabian Eichner was their world champion. Like, that's not nothing. This is a title that was held by Matt Riddle in the past. This was a title that was held by Austin Theory in the past. And here's this guy that they're making the world champion of their double developmental brand. Here's a guy that they forced into Imperium because back when they were Ringkampf in uh, the German wrestling promotion that I'm forgetting, it was Marcel Bartel, Walter, and it was uh, Alexander Wolf. It was a three-man band. Also, I believe Timothy Thatcher was in there for yep. a brief spell. But Fabian Eichner was not a member of that group. It seemed like he was a guy they were forcing in there because they wanted him to get over. They wanted him to get shine. They saw him as a future star. The idea of him potentially being, you know, just kind of a scapegoat for Imperium on their way to the main roster feels so weird to me considering this is a guy it seems like they've invested a ton of stock in for like half a decade yeah i mean you go back to you mentioned the evolve stuff i remember that i don't i wouldn't wasn't at any of the evolve shows where he was the evolve champion but it was a couple of years before that 2016 he was in the initial cruiserweight classic i think people forget about that yeah and he had an amazing showing lost even more weight after that Maybe he put on weight. I think he put on weight and like not in a bad way, but like he got really cut and whatever. And every time I've seen this guy in a singles match or just in the tag team matches, listen, don't get me wrong. Bartell is great. Imperium as a tag team is just underrated as hell. They were tag team champions for a while. They had a lot of good matches, but I I feel like people still don't give them their just due as being one of the best tag teams like in wrestling right now because they don't really stand out as characters, which I understand. But in the ring, they're like second to none. Eichner is someone, I don't know how old he is, maybe early 30s, mid 30s at this point. I don't know, but. I don't know if he's someone in NXT that they can really build around as a North American champion or an NXT champion. I, I would really hope they only broke them up for that reason. Cause I just feel like breaking That's like, that's like calling up undisputed arrow without Kyle O'Reilly, like in their original form or something. Like it's just not the same, you know? And it's only two of them. It's not like there's four of them and you lose one, at least you have three. Are you going to really do Walter or Gunther and uh, Bartell and tag team matches? I mean, probably not. So it, it's it's a little weird. Um, but yeah, Eichner's a guy to keep an eye out for. The guy is fantastic. He has, you know, very good mic skills. Like the guy could speak perfect English. The that's not a you know uh, an issue for at all. Um, so yeah, I think he's one to keep an eye on. And of all the people in NXT right now, you talk about just becoming another guy with Walter, with Gunther. Um, Eichner's a guy that could really stand out if they gave him the right push. So it's definitely abrupt. They teased no tension prior to like this week that came completely out of nowhere. Um, but I'm for it, honestly. I think it's 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 a weird idea. I don't I'm not as optimistic for Gunther and Bartel, but Eichner is a guy I think that could be really successful with the right push in NXT. And Eichner is 31 years old, so it's like he still has time. He still has time. You know, we talked about the LA Knights who are pushing 40. Eichner, you know, maybe another year in developmental, let him stand on his own a little bit. But at the same time, they did this whole thing with Austin Theory playing hot potato with him on the main roster. He was in like three different groups before he ended up as Vince McMahon's prodigy. <laughs> yeah. People forget he was in a tag team with Andrade and Angel Garza and Zelina Vega. Then he joined Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy for a little bit. Then he went back to NXT and joined Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. And now here he is finally finding his footing, having one of the biggest WrestleMania matches of the weekend. So maybe Eichner goes through a similar series of growing pains, but Austin Theory is a guy that I think proves that, you know, throughout all the bumps in the road, the end destination can still end up being pretty smooth. 
Uh, Jacob S sending in another funny comment. CrossFit Gunther is ready to run down the 24-7 championship. I hate the idea <laughs> of him going after that title, but CrossFit Gunther, I think, is a, a nickname I'm going to be using for quite some time. Before we get into our next story, though, I did want to address this uh, from Dellen13. Any information on why one of the members of MSK got fired when he's a champion? Isn't there a thing where, where you can't fire a champion? Well, to my knowledge, the reason why he was fired was because of some controversy with some allegations going on again we're not going to comment on those allegations because investigations are likely going to be ongoing that's why he was let go wwe does not want to attach themselves to anyone who is a figure of controversy but on this topic of when a champion can't get fired uh, i do remember in recent memory enzo amore was cruiserweight champion and he was canned and then they vacated the title and the tournament and that was ended up being won by remind me again was it cedric I think it was Cedric at WrestleMania. It was him and Ali in the finals, yeah. Or was it? No, it was Mustafa. Yeah, it was was it Cedric? I think it was Heart and Soul of NXT. Yeah, well, um, Ali came close, but play. yeah, I think it was on the pre-show. They had their finals, but I think I think Alexander ended up winning. Yeah, they had a great match. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that had happened before with Enzo, but this is a kind of a weird situation because you know he's one half of the champions. So yeah, you yeah. vacate the titles. Do you give Wesley a new partner? Do you try to get? one of the other rascals to sign with NXT really quickly to fill that yeah. void. <laughs> Who knows? What do you think is going to happen with the NXT tag titles? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, I mean, we don't, we won't go in depth with it at all, but like the weird thing is that this stuff was kind of going on last week. Like uh, I, I saw Kimberly, the other member that, that that's involved in this. She's on impact. This stuff was going around last week. I don't think pictures were surfacing until maybe Monday or Tuesday. Um, but, you know, they put the tag team titles on. They weren't the tag team champions up until Saturday. That's the whole weird thing about this. And maybe we'll find out more details. I don't know. There are being, there is reports. Some are conflicting. Who knows? But they put the tag team titles on them. And on Tuesday, they advertised the match for this coming Tuesday with Grayson Waller and Sanga, his manager. So did they give the belts to them? That would seem to be the most likely. They literally just did a tournament with the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So I don't think they do another tournament. I don't think they really need to. Maybe they just have Grayson Waller and Sanga. I, what I assume is going to happen is that they'll probably have Waller and Sanga. What they did to deserve it, I, I don't know, but they'll probably have a match with Wesley and a partner of his choosing, and they'll probably put the belts on Waller and Sanga to give Waller something to do because he didn't win the North American Championship. So that's my guess. I was thinking the same thing about Wesley. I mean, it really sucks for him more than anything else in this whole situation that he's kind of the one that always happens with the tag teams. The partner. You know, regardless of what's going on with Nash Carter, Wesley's really the one getting screwed here because he did nothing wrong. He's not involved in any controversy, and he's the one getting screwed. So um, I don't think it would be the other rascal um, that Trey Miguel is the current, I think, I, unless I missed something, the impact airing right now, unless he lost the title tonight, mm -hmm. Trey Miguel is still the X Division champion. So um, I don't think he would go to NXT. Maybe they'll find someone else in the NXT roster that we're just not thinking of right now to pair and attack him with Wesley or he goes off on his own. The guy's incredible on his own as well. So we'll see. But my guess is that they'll probably put the belts on Waller and Sanga or maybe the Creed brothers. I don't know. I think they would make more sense. They probably should have won an NXT standing deliver anyway. So either one of those teams will probably take the titles on Tuesday if I had to take a guess. You'll have to forgive me for forgetting uh, the individual members of these these uh, 
tag this tag team, but this reminds me of the TM61 situation, the Mighty Don't Kneel, that yes, Australian yes, yes, yes. tag team. One of their members, I remember, left the company because I think he had just had a kid or something and he wanted to take time off from wrestling. And then his other partner, I forget his former name, but he became Slapjack. And he was yeah, a Shane member Thorne. of... Oh, yeah. Shane Thorne, exactly. He became a member of Retribution and he had TV time, for better or worse. And then I think he had the Crocodile Dundee gimmick he was trying out <laughs> and it just kind of all fizzled out. And that was a situation that I found not similar in terms of the circumstances, but one of the partners kind of low-key got screwed because he had to kind of reshape his entire gimmick and what he was going to do moving forward. And hey, he did get TV time. I believe he also had a very brief tag team on Raw during the pandemic era with uh, uh, the the Australian guy who plays poker all the time. Oh, Duke Hudson, yeah. Yeah, Duke Hudson before when he was, uh, I forget what his other name was, but they had a very brief run on oh, Brendan Vink, I think. Yeah. Don't Vink. ask me how I remember that. I had no <laughs> clue, dude. <laughs> Your wrestling knowledge is off the charts. But yeah, they had a brief run and just things got kind of murky. It also reminds me of the situation when Pete Dunn was stuck overseas and Matt mm-hmm. Riddle had to find a new NXT tag partner. They brought in Timothy Thatcher. That was a very easy way to get those two feuding eventually too. And it also laid the seeds for Matt Riddle's main roster call-up. I think maybe there's a world where WWE wants to get in on the Forbidden Door action and they bring in Trey Miguel just for that one match and then they end up losing the titles. We've seen it before with Alex Shelley came in for a one-off. James Mm -hmm. Storm came in for a couple matches. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Trey Miguel to come in for one match. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's Impact, too. Let's let's face it. They do not see Impact as competition. I think Impact is one of the best products out there, honestly, currently. I think they do great stuff. I love their shows right now. Um, but the fact of the matter is that they don't see them as competition. If they did, they would not have put Mickey James in the Royal Rumble and addressed her as the Impact Women's Champion. So they could. You know, honestly, now that I say that, they used Mickey James for the Rumble, and that was more so because they just didn't have enough women to fill out the Royal mm-hmm. Rumble, and that's their own fault. Um, maybe they do. I, I think enough people know of the rascals history where I think people in that arena would be, I mean, it's also based out of Florida a lot. Like, I mean, I guess impact hasn't been based out of Florida for a while, but I feel like enough people in that audience would remember Trey Miguel from the rascal days. That'd be like, Oh, that's really cool that he's filling in for him tonight. So when you, when you said that, even before you mentioned Alex Shelley, that was the first thing I thought of was Alex Shelley when they had him team with Kushida for a week or something on NXT. And that was awesome. So um, it's possible. I don't see them doing that, but I think it'd be cool if they also, like you said, got in the forbidden door action and they brought in Trey Miguel. I think it'd be make for a, a great moment, if nothing else. I think I would say it would be likely if it was still black and gold NXT. I'm going to put it as more of a questionable 50 yeah, chance with definitely. it being NXT 2.0. Let's hop over the fence a little bit over to AEW, where AEW president Tony Khan has sort of kind of commented on Cody Rhodes returning to WWE, doing the kind of WWE thing where he doesn't mention key buzzwords, you know, by name. Uh, His quote when speaking to Sports Illustrated, Justin Barrasso over there, he said when asked about Cody Rhodes officially going to WWE, he said, I did lose a very prominent free agent, but we're debuting one on Wednesday's Dynamite and Samoa Joe. In the past 30 days, we also debuted Tony Storm, who was incredible in her win against the Bunny, and Jeff Hardy, one of the biggest stars in wrestling. We have a lot of excitement here, and that's our focus. So before we get to the second half of that quote about all the new stars coming in to AEW, I do want to ask you, Graham, about Cody leaving AEW as a whole, because this is something that shell-shocked me when the news first came out. It's something I'm still coming to grips with as he gets more inclimated to WWE and is showing up on the bump and their social media and everything. How do you think Cody leaving AEW affects not just the company, but Tony Khan, the promoter? 
you forgot the part where they recreated the AEW gift where he puts his hand to his ear and they put that on Twitter <laughs> yesterday, which was surreal. Uh, dude, I just, it's, I'm still coming to terms with the two. It's probably going to take me a while for it to really sink in. I mean, being in that arena on Saturday and then again on Raw on Monday and hearing the music and not only hearing the music because like it's not, that's not an AEW song. I think people think, oh, they bought the rights off a of monkey rocket. No, it's a, it's a downstate song. Like they made that song for him. They have people in their own company currently who use songs by downstate. So, it was more a matter of paying them for the rights to use the song. So, yeah, exactly. Dolphin, mm-hmm. uh, several. Zach Ryder did d- does now, but he also did when he was in the company among several other people. So, um, it's and Miz obviously Miz was the first one. Um, but anyway, so not only that, but the intro itself, the intro, like the whole wrestling is more than one royal family. When I heard that, I was like, shit, dude, like that's incredible. Um, the fact that they were able to include that, that they wanted to include that, the come out of the stage entrance which i thought was like the goofiest thing in aw it's like dude you're not triple h stop making yourself out to be a bigger deal than you are but listen it's cool that they copied that from aw and brought it over to wwe i think that's sweet um it's all about presentation the guy came off like a star in wwe on night one tony khan i'm sure is you know upset that you know they couldn't come to terms with the deal but the thing is and i'm sure cody would tell you the same thing AEW doesn't need him. Like the, the show doesn't feel any worse without Cody. I honestly think this whole thing is a win-win. Like I love both companies. I don't want to sound like I'm Homer for either company here, but it's a win for Cody because it's a fresh coat of paint. He comes back to his former home as a much bigger star than when he left. WWE gains a new star. They can only benefit from booking Cody Rhodes correctly because if they book Cody Rhodes correctly, that makes people like MJF and other people in AEW, other AEW originals think to themselves, all right, if Cody got over there and they booked him as a star, What's stopping me from going over there and also be book, being booked like a star? You know, and that's going to come in handy when MJF comes, his contract comes due, and WWE's interested, and Cody Rhodes, hopefully by that point, is a world champion. MJF's thinking, well, they might offer me more money, and they can, than Tony Khan. Uh, it's more a matter of whether they're willing to, and they probably would. It's more about the creative security blanket there. Will they book me correctly? And if Cody's booked correctly, there's a good chance MJF could be as well. Um, so WWE win, wins in that respect. AEW, honestly, I think they win as well because I was one of those people. I love Cody. I'm, I've been a lifelong Cody fan, as you have been, Liam. The thing is, though, towards the end there, I thought he was one of the worst parts about the show. And I honestly think part of that falls on him because a lot of the creative, what he was doing was his own ideas. Like some of the promos he was cutting, the delivery was great. But like the material, I thought was like he was talking about like Terry Taylor's arm drag class and like taking shots at random people like, talking about the pipe bomb. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like he was just... Beyond random, um, it, it just the QT Marshall feud sucked. Um, I liked the Malachi Black, Black feud personally a lot. Um, but just some of the other stuff he was doing, like the Andrade, like he burned himself on the table, sh- like that dumb stuff. Like, what are you doing? So I- I'm honestly glad that he has, like, to an extent, the handcuffs of WWE to kind of keep him creatively limited so he's not going through burning tables and doing dumb stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. I honestly think everyone wins. AEW brought in five new stars to replace Cody. WWE needed him. And Cody has a new lease on life now in WWE. So I think it's a win-win for everyone and the fans too for getting to see a fresh face. To finally see someone go from AEW to WWE. And it's not like Joey Janela, but it's actually like a big star. You know what I mean? So I, I like it. I will say, it. I am getting more used to it. And the promo on Raw, the cadence, the entrance, the yeah. logo, the music, the delivery, the American Nightmare nickname and moniker, the fact that they're embracing who he was in AEW, Vince even said uh, when Cody was talking about his meeting with Vince, 
Vince said, well, we're buying something that's not broken. Like we're not, we don't intend to, to mess with it. And I, of course, I'm going to put a big damper on that. Cause I think it remains to be seen. I think fresh out the gate, he's going to be presented as people have desired him to be. Who knows if things change over the coming months. But what I will say to your point, Graham, is that this is such a crucial piece in the AEW versus WWE war, if you will. I know people mm-hmm. don't like the tribalism, but I didn't grow up in the 90s. I missed out on WCW <laughs> versus WWF. I want to see what it's like when two companies are actually competing against each other. That doesn't mean they need to take shots at each other or need to air simultaneously. But I like the idea of competition because high tides rise all ships and the idea of each company doing the best they can to ensure they attract the best talent is only going to benefit us, the pro wrestling fans. And if WWE, if their incentive is to try hard with Cody to prove that come 2024, when MJF is a free agent, if they book Cody well over the next two years to possibly lure in an MJF to lure in a Jade Cargill, a Wardlow, all these names that they've expressed interest in, the only person that loses is maybe people who liked WWE from 2016 to 2022. Like the <laughs> idea of going back to the days where they had to earn your pay-per-view dollar. That's what I miss. Like I first started watching wrestling in 2011 and every single month I'd have to beg my mom for 60 bucks to buy the pay-per-view because I was genuinely interested. They were selling mm-hmm. me matches and storylines that I wanted to see air out in a pay-per-view format. When the network came around, obviously storylines were still hot off the gate to try and get those subscribers in, but it felt like there was a big air of complacency once they reached a certain base. And especially with Peacock now, where they're not concerned about subscribers, they already got their billion dollars from that deal as it is. I feel like there's just kind of this, okay, well, hey, you know, the New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland. That's a that's a SmackDown match. That's not a WrestleMania match. Yep. They inserted it in just because, hey, who cares? We want you to watch WrestleMania, but if you don't, you already are subscribed to Peacock. We already got our billion dollars. The <laughs> yeah. idea of Cody being the one to be like, no, this is the guy we have to prove we can be successful with to show other free agents. This is not just a backup plan. This is a destination spot. I love that concept. I completely agree. And I love the fact that you mentioned, I, I love the, the fact that you mentioned that you started watching in 2011, because I'm not far off. I only started watching in 2008. Like I'm a little bit older, but I mean, I could have watched sooner. I just didn't. I just, it was just a matter of timing, I guess. Um, so I also was not around for the Monday night wars and stuff like that. Not that we don't know what happened, obviously, but like, I just, I like you said, I wish I could have lived through that period knowing who was going from each company, you know, going from WWE to uh, WCW and stuff like that. We just didn't have that in the, late 2000s, early 2010s. The, the the biggest thing that you had back then was like someone going from WWE to TNA or TNA to WWE. And at that point, we weren't having a lot of that. You know, like AJ Styles coming in was probably the last, to me, like one of the last real game changers. And AJ went on to become a huge star, like a major star, multi-time WWE champion, champion for a year, US, IC champion, WrestleMania headliner, and one of the most popular stars in the entire roster today, and he's still here six years later. The biggest difference there is that AJ was never in WWE prior, so that was even more impressive. Cody at least has, I mean, he was in WWE for like a decade before he finally left, so people know who he is to an extent that if they didn't, you know, watch him in AEW or whatever, so he has that built in, but I completely agree. I think WWE, they've been complacent for a long time, just kind of resting on their laurels, kind of focusing their current roster, which is great aside from focusing on the past a little bit with the attitude era people, um, which is fine from time to time, but they need to build new stars. They're not make, they didn't make Cody Rhodes a star. 
but the very least of what they can do is capitalize off of what they have, which they haven't before. Like I said earlier, someone like an EC3 went out and became a star on his own. They brought him in, completely squandered any momentum that guy had. McIntyre is a lot like Cody, another guy who left, came back. They capitalized off of that, and they made him a star. I think Cody is another prime example of someone that could follow a similar path. And I honestly think that this I, – I would have – I, I know for a fact I would have said this was ridiculous a week ago, but he could come in and be the one to beat Roman Reigns. And people are not going to like to hear that. But if it's not Cody, then who? And I think people are behind Cody enough right now, and maybe it'll change in a month or two. But I think he could be the one to beat Roman. And I think after that promo, like you said, that he cut on Raw, it makes sense. Um, Drew's an option, I know. Maybe Bobby, um, Seth. I, I don't know. I just feel like whoever beats Roman, I'm going way off track here, but whoever beats Roman has got to be someone who benefits big. Someone who has never held a world title before. And then Cody can be that guy. I know that sounds unbelievable on paper considering Roman just beat Brock like twice. And Cody had the crossroads kicked out of a WrestleMania by Seth Rollins. But listen, you can make anyone believable with enough of an effort. And I think they can with Cody. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I'm really excited to see what they do with him. And I think for him, this was a necessary move. He's a guy that's made for WWE. I know he founded AEW and he was great over there, especially in the first year as a babyface. The guy was untouchable in, in AEW. Um, but in WWE, he's just a smoke and mirrors type of guy is Cody, no pun intended. And I think he can do, uh, he has a very high ceiling. Again, if they follow through, it's all about the aftermath. We can be excited about the arrival all we want, but if they don't follow through, none of this matters. And they have with certain people, they've proven that they can. If they're not petty and they actually want to follow through with him, despite all the shots that he's taken at them over the years, which I just never under really, never really understood, then I think they got a star in their hands. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. My biggest thing is I, I definitely want Cody to be the one to beat Roman. And that's not just because I love Cody Rhodes. It's because his promo on Monday was he showed that he wanted the title. And I know that sounds so simple, but in WWE championships are props. And I, that might sound a little controversial. The world title has made strides ever since Roman took that reign to the mm -hmm. moon over the past two years. But the Intercontinental Championship and the United States title were not featured on WrestleMania. To me, that just shows that, oh, hey, here's your little prop. Here's your little your little gimmick. Like, have this belt. You didn't win a contenders match. You've been losing every week on SmackDown. But sure, like Ricochet all of a sudden pins Sami Zayn with assistance from Johnny Knoxville, and Sami doesn't get a rematch because he's busy with Johnny Knoxville feud. Anyways, my, my whole point is wrestling championships feel the most prestigious in AEW because of the ranking system, because of the consistent contender matches. And so the idea of past guys uh, uh, unseating Roman, when Goldberg comes around and just declares that he's next, to me that devalues the title because it shows any guy who's working his ass off every single week to rack up wins, they don't mean anything because another guy can come along and just declare himself the challenger. And then that devalues the Royal Rumble, that devalues any type of tournaments they hold. Again, but Cody coming in and saying, I want that title, making it clear off the bat, and that not being his first feud, I think that sows the seed for him to be the perfect one to beat Roman because he's planting the seed now, and he probably won't chase him until SummerSlam at the earliest, maybe WrestleMania next year if the Rock plans fall through, maybe even the Royal Rumble. It'll be a big four, no doubt, but still, it's not going to happen at WrestleMania Backlash. We know that for certain, so... Who knows? But I love the idea of Cody planting that seed now because, like I said, it only increases the value 
of that undisputed universal championship. Another uh, quick thing I want to tell you, Graham, about my Cody Rhodes fandom. The first mm-hmm. night I started watching pro wrestling, I was trying to find the World Series. I was a big baseball fan back in the day, still am to a degree. You mm-hmm. know, flipping the channels, came across Monday Night Raw, had no idea what it was. Triple H was in the ring in a suit talking about how all the superstars walked out on him. CM Punk, Sheamus, and John. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. I know the exact raw. I've rewatched it so many times. It brings back all the emotions. And later in that night, uh, Randy Orton was beat by Mark Henry, I believe. And Cody Rhodes came out and put a bag on his head. And he was wearing a a mask. And I was like, that's like Richard Hamilton in the NBA. That's cool. I like (laughs) that guy. And then all of a sudden, uh, from there, obviously, Cody Rhodes was like one of my favorites. Him, Zack Ryder, when he was the broski and everything. And now here we are 10 years later. There's still two of my favorites, but it's the American Nightmare and the Deathmatch King, Matt Cardona, in very different roles. Yeah, It's wild to see how two guys from the first pro wrestling show I ever watched have completely evolved a decade later. This is completely random. Not even sure if you would know this. Was that the October 10th, 2011 edition of Raw by any chance? Do you know the I, exact date? I know for a fact it was in October. So there's a okay. very real chance it could be the 10th. <laughs> I'm just the frequent date. So I'm just curious. <laughs> I remember that was the big walkout thing. Their the, the big follow up to the walkout was having them come back a week later and agreeing to come back to work. It was like one of the most, <laughs> I completely remember that. But Cody's the man. He always has been fantastic. And it's funny that you mentioned that too. Like, first of all, for me, that was William Regal, which sounds ridiculous, but like, same thing. Like I was flipping through the channels one day and I saw William Regal. He was the raw GM and this was 2008. And I tell people this and they find it ridiculous because like we started watching in an era where it wasn't like all like beers and swears and the attitude era and shit like that. So people just don't get it. Like we don't have a lot to latch onto. And and like when we started watching wrestling, so people just don't really understand, but that was regal for me. And Cody Rhodes started, like he turned heel like within a couple of months of me watching WWE. So I became a big fan of him and his partner at that point, Ted DiBiase Jr. I actually just met Ted DiBiase for the first time a couple of days ago at WrestleCon and got to tell him that. Um, and like my YouTube channel's name is Ted DiBiase Priceless Nine. That was the original name. It's, it's <laughs> WrestleRant now, but I named it after him and I told him that. And he loved that. And I told Cody the same thing when I met him a couple of years ago. And I met him again when we did the media thing a couple of days ago. And he was really nice. But I met him for the first time like five years ago. The absolute nicest guy. Like on, on air, he doesn't always come across as genuinely like likable or whatever. But as a person, Cody is amazing. So have you had the chance to meet him yet or no? Not yet. He's my dream interview. I, I yearn for the day. I can have a sit down 30 minute chat where we, we don't even talk about pro wrestling. We just talk yeah. about life, like how he was able to leave such a secure job and do his own thing. And like, so inspiring. You can't see it. It's off camera, but I have the quote on my, on my wall. It's about mm-hmm. the 14 years it took me to go from undesirable to ungoddamn deniable. That promo is everything to me. Yeah. That's awesome. No, he's an inspiration, dude. Cody Rhodes is awesome. First of all, I know you'll get that interview. Second of all, I know you'll get a chance to meet him someday. You get a chance to tell him that. And third of all, it really is amazing. I I, I was going to tweet this, and I had it saved in my draft, so maybe I'll tweet it eventually. But I was thinking this, like, when he left AEW two months ago, this man could literally go down as, like, one of the smartest men in wrestling. And that's going to be a controversial quote. I'm not saying he's, like, the greatest wrestler of all time. But the fact that he left WWE, guaranteed money, whatever. And I hate the Stardust stuff I thought was complete trash. Like he tried with it. I thought it was the goofiest stuff. I always wanted him to come out to smoke and mirrors towards the end. Like I had hope in 2013 that he would win money in the bank that year or something like that. And they just never pushed him as a singles guy. They just kept putting him in tag team after tag team after tag team. And then he left, created his own. First of all, he went to ring of honor, had amazing success. Um, and then did the whole AEW thing. So he was a genius for doing that, betting on himself, 
at, at a time where no one really quit WWE. Everyone was getting released, but no one was really leaving on their own. And if they did, they didn't really go on and have the success that he did. Not only that, he created his own company, has a job for life as an executive, could have done whatever he wanted over there, and left that to go back to the company that treated him poorly in the first place to prove that he could be as, like, that's crazy, dude. Like, I could, we could be laughing about this in a year, and he could be on main event as Stardust again. We don't know. But if this works out, if this works out and he wins the world title, 10 years removed when he probably should have won it, and everything happens for a reason, I think, and he comes in much more ready now than he was 10 years ago and wins Money in the Bank, as I pitched on Twitter a couple of days ago, cashes in on Roman ahead of time, announces it, wins it at SummerSlam. This man is a goddamn genius. So if you, people can hate on Cody all they want. I'm going to sound like a Cody Mark here, but the man will sound he, – he will be a genius if he can pull this off. So I'm, I'm pulling for him, if nothing else. He's on my personal Mount Rushmore for everything he's done to change the <laughs> Funny you mentioned the Money in the Bank 2013 thing. I just watched that clip WWE put out about the top 10 moments in Cody Rhodes' WWE career, and mm-hmm. I was reminded of his whole feud with Damian Sandow and throwing the briefcase in the Long Island Sound or whatever body of water it was. And <laughs> that – pay-per-view i remember reading this is back when i was reading wrestling inc before i was contributing to that that's That's why it's not even a plug i used to be just an avid reader of wrestling inc on the daily before i actually ended up contributing uh to this site that you're watching this podcast through and i remember reading that cody was originally penciled in as the winner of that money in the bank and then then they decided to go in a different direction what i find funny is if he wins money in the bank and he cashes in successfully and becomes world champion and stardust never happens does AEW happen today? Yeah. Does like and does the what does the pro wrestling landscape look like if they made one little booking change? I think we're living in a completely different world. But enough about Cody. Uh, we mentioned <laughs> in the back half of the quote. I wanted to address this pretty quickly. Tony Khan mentioning Tony Storm, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe. Everyone's always happy upon these guys' initial debuts. Keith Lee obviously got a monster pop when he first came in, and now he's kind of in a rampage situation with yeah. uh, Swerve Strickland and all that and feuding with Team Taz. AW's roster, it's the age-old question. Do you think it's too crowded? Yeah, I do. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say because I feel like even with what they're doing with Keith Lee, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to jump the gun and say, listen, they bury this guy. Like, at least they're doing something, something with him. My biggest problem for a while and still is with people like at least with Jay Lethal. And the thing is with Jay Lethal, that there's that criticism of like, maybe they're not doing anything with him because of the whole, like there were allegations against him too. I can't speak to that. I don't really know much about it, but like, if that was the case, then why even employ him in the first place? Was, he was in a weird limbo spot where they, they had him on the roster, but they weren't doing anything. So it's like, at that point, if there's other issues there, let him go. If there's not, then push him. They didn't really make much sense. They finally turned him heel recently. Now he's feeding with Samoa Joe, who was like, I think it was his trainer or whatever, which is perfect. So, if they can find a role for each of these people on the show, they only have two hours of TV. Rampage is an hour. Rampage is a quick hour, but they shove so much into that 60 minutes that it's almost hard to digest anything, you know? Um, you know, people like Ruby Soho come to mind. Like, what are they doing with her? Nothing. Like, she's killing a lot of momentum. She's not doing anything. I think we got to start applying the same criticism that we have of WWE to AEW. It's like they bring in people because they're the hot, fresh toy, and they don't do a lot with them. Some people, most people they do. But some people, they don't. And people like Ruby Soho, I think, should be doing more. Not to say she should be champion right now, but, like, the last time she was on Dynamite was, like, two months ago. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, So, and we also have yet to see Miro come back. I thought he was clear to come back a month ago. Where the heck has that guy been? I know he was hurt, but, you know, Brian Cage finally came back. 
I think having Ring of Honor helps because I think you could put people over there. They got to get a TV deal in place for it. They only had that one show last weekend, and that was it for now. So I don't know what the future of that holds for the foreseeable future. But it, it is overcrowded. But my thing is, is that it's not like these people are being buried. I just want to see more of certain people. Like, they are trying with that. Um, they have to have more of a turnover rate. They can't – like, I'm not saying let go of half the roster, but – and it's no budget cut. Like, wait for their contract to expire. And they're, we're kind of starting to see that with people like Joey Janela, Marco Stun. People said the whole budget cuts thing. Oh, that's what WWE says. Yeah, it is kind of a lame excuse. Just say that you don't have anything for him. And, like, we just don't really need you here anymore. It's 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 mean, but it might be true. I mean, honestly, like, what are you going to do with Marco Stun? But, you know, wait till their contract expires and let them go. Um, they got to they got to start doing more of that because if you look at the roster page, I could probably point out 15 people that we haven't seen on TV in like a month or two. So it is overcrowded. It's not an awful issue. They have a stacked roster, but at least people like Shane Swore Strickland and Keith Lee, at least they're doing something. They're not chasing a title. I mean, the FTW title doesn't really count, but at least they're doing something. So I'm kind of in that middle space where I would like to see more of certain people and they need to find more meaningful stuff for more people to do. Like Keith Lee should not be lost in the shuffle. That guy's a star, but they have a lot of stars. And, and I think Tony Khan would be a moron to not employ these people. You know, it's not like he's signing everyone who gets released. Like he didn't sign Killer Cross. He didn't sign Braun Strowman. He didn't sign Bray Wyatt yet. But, you know, I think who they have brought in, they've done well for the most part, but they could be doing more. So they're in that weird limbo spot right now where it's not a terrible issue, but it could get to that. It could get to WCW level so they keep it up. But, for now, I think it's something that could be fixed. And they've shown that with people like Jay Lethal and Brian Cage. Yeah, and everything it hurts to add um, members to the women's division, specifically with Tony Storm. She's obviously a fantastic talent that just didn't reach her full potential in WWE, not to the fault of her own. I just don't think she was put in a position to really, really succeed. Obviously, she had a program very briefly with Charlotte on SmackDown, but she's someone who had a bunch of accomplishments in WWE that weren't ever really highlighted too much like she won the May Young Classic she was in NXT UK Women's Champion and then the main roster thing came around and she just kind of fizzled out so I think adding her to the women's division immediately put some star power there because sure they've made a lot of women stars in AEW Britt Baker wasn't the name she was before now that she is in AEW and a former women's champion the same goes for Jade Cargill I'd say a completely homegrown talent mm -hmm. Nyla Rose also comes to mind but it never hurts to have the Ruby Sohos and Tony Storms of the world who bring in that kind of indie legitimacy once they migrate over to AEW. I'm stoked to see Samoa Joe in. I love his new music. I love oh. his vibe. I love him yeah. hitting the little little Bobby Shmurda <laughs> on Dynamite and everything. But I am concerned that he'll go the way of Keith Lee because the roster is so, so crowded. But at the same time, I think he is a perfect fit for the Blackpool Combat Club if he decides to go that route. Him, Moxley, Danielson, Regal, uh, salivating at the thought of that. But that's a lot of wrestling talk. We've spent a ton of time going through all the top news. Let's venture over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hop into some entertainment news. Moon Knight, that's right. Every single Wednesday on Disney+, Plus since the show premiered on March 30th, it's been airing. It's the newest installment into the MCU. It's the first installment of a very packed 2022 that includes doctor strange multiverse of madness miss marvel she hulk black panther 2 thor 4 so much to dive into so many sequels coming out on the theatrical side and we're kicking things off with a character that has basically as of now no ties to our fan favorite avengers graham i know you've been watching weekly moon knight what are your thoughts through two episodes 
I've been digging it, and I feel like I sound like a broken record every time a new show comes out. I'm like, this is the best show I've seen, and I don't know if it is. I really have to compare it. But like with the Marvel stuff, dude, they just keep raising the bar. And I think the best part about it is that of all the shows they've released so far, everyone is so uniquely different than the other one. You know what I mean? Like with WandaVision, it's probably still the best show they've done in the last year, I would say. I love Loki, too. That would probably be number one for me. But either one, it's one and two for me. Um, that WandaVision was different from Loki and Loki was different from what if, which was different than Hawkeye, which was different than Falcon and Winter Soldier. And, uh, now we have Moon Knight, which I think is our first show since Hawkeye and Hawkeye wrapped up months ago. So we had that little break and, and I'm a star Wars guy. So I watched the book of Boba Fett, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but it's great to have some more Marvel content back before Dr. Strange comes out in a couple of months or actually in a month from now. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's crazy, but, uh, no, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. We're only two episodes in. Is it a six episode series or is it nine? Do you know? Six episodes. It, the six finale episodes. is two days before Multiverse of Madness comes out. Really? Okay. Wow. I know we have a busy spring coming up and I've been following your tweets about how like the whole Obi-Wan show, like that's coming out like that. We- like they bumped it from the anniversary on Friday, right? It was on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They bumped it to Friday. And then there's like that week where that and, um, what's miss marvel right they're coming out like mm-hmm. the same day or something on disney yeah. plus it's so bizarre but anyway i'm getting off track here uh, <laughs> it, it's it's been a great show there's so much content to keep track of i almost like lost track of like what you were talking about with the movies like holy shit there's so much stuff coming out and that's not even counting all the other cool stuff that's coming out that's not superhero related or star wars related but now i'm stoked and i think this has been a really good show so far and i implore everyone to check it out well, I'm loving that in the chat. We got Jason Deerham saying, finally, he probably tuned in for the Moon Knight chatter. Night <laughs> One saying, uh, yeah, he started reading Moon Knight comics in the early 90s and cool to see the character reaching a larger audience. That's been my favorite part about this whole thing, Graham, is that when the first Moon Knight trailer came out, it was at halftime during a Monday night playoff game for football when they had the wild card Monday and everything. And I loved the social media reaction to it because people were reaching out to me and asking, what do I need to read? And these are not people who tend to read comics. This was Mm -hmm. a character that was so cool in a two minute trailer alone that they didn't want to wait two months to meet him in live action. They wanted to read up. They wanted to educate themselves. That's how I feel about when, you know, a guy debuts in NXT or AEW. Mm -hmm. And I remember when the Nick Gage match happened in AEW, I had friends reaching out to me going, what's GCW? Like, what do I need to watch (laughs) from Nick Gage? I'm like, oh, yes, I'm loving this. You want to get into the lore. So I love that Moon Knight is kind of inspiring this live action audience of Marvel comic characters to dive into the source material. Like I'm a guy who I watched Hawkeye and I immediately picked up the graphic novel because I wanted to know what the show was inspired by. That's and awesome. it's a phenomenal read in Moon Knight. I'm kind of having the reverse vibe of that. I started reading Moon Knight because of the trailer ahead of the show because I wanted to pinpoint the parallels between the certain panels coming to life and everything. Um, so I think that is really, really cool. Cleveland Rocks also agreeing, saying Moon Knight is phenomenal. And I tend to agree. I'm having a good time with the show so far. I'm not completely immersed. I'm not completely sucked in yet. I'm mm-hmm. waiting for that shift. I'm waiting for that one cliffhanger that everyone is just on the edge of their seats for. Uh, critics were able to, to see the first four episodes mm-hmm. early, and all of my friends who got to see all four told me that the episode four cliffhanger is brutal. And that's why I only watched the first episode. And I was like, all right, that's it. I'm watching weekly with the rest yep. of the social media because I cannot take binge watching shows ever since <laughs> Disney Plus came out. I used to love it back in the day. Yeah. I breezed through Lost in a month. I watched all of How I Met Your Mother in like six weeks. 
Jesus. Now the idea of six episode shows spread out over the course of six weeks, they're digestible. They're fun. I can't sit down and, and waste away a month of content in one sitting. I do. I can't do that. It's impossible for me. One, I just don't have the time. And two, I don't like if, if I know I'm going into a show that has like, let's say, 100 episodes. I made an exception recently for a show called Monk. It's on Peacock. That's Tony Shalhoub. Fantastic show. One of my favorite shows of all time. I've gone back to rewatch that. Beyond that, I can't go into a show that I know has 100 episodes and think to myself, I'm going to watch every single one. Like, I just I just can't. I can't. Um, knowing I have to go back and rewatch all this stuff and I can't miss an episode. To me, it just it's too much. But if it's like a six episode thing, watching in real time too, obviously helps seeing all the reactions. That was the best part of WandaVision. And that was still not early COVID, but it was early 2021. Wasn't a lot going on. Movie theaters were still closed. We were all kind of watching together every Friday at that point. That was before they moved to Wednesdays. And, you know, I know we spoke for Hawkeye, but like we were doing the same thing. Doc and I were having people on every week to talk about WandaVision, all speculating what's going to happen next. And you literally with Moon Knight, it's weird. I haven't been really on Twitter at all because of WrestleMania. I hate that the show came out last week because there's just so much going on with wrestling. Like I need actually, it's, it's a good and bad thing. And the bad thing is that I haven't had a lot of chance to like I'm a big new rock stars fan. So I'll watch a lot of their stuff yeah, to yeah. kind of catch up on stuff. I had Tommy Bechtold on uh, on on WrestleRant Radio last week from New Rockstars to talk about WrestleMania, ironically enough. He's <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, so it's a good thing that I get to escape from wrestling watching Moon Knight. The bad thing is that I feel like everyone's been focusing on WrestleMania and not talking enough about Moon Knight. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I saw Johnny Gargano's tweet last week. I couldn't agree more. He said, this is going to be my first of like, this is amazing Moon Knight tweets. And I think, I don't know if he put it up this week, but he probably did. And we spoke about the show briefly when I saw him at WrestleCon a few days ago. But it's cool, man. I, I, I love the three episode stuff that they're doing with Marvel, Star Wars now, which is great. I'm sure other companies and shows like that are doing it too. I don't really follow much else aside from wrestling, Marvel, and Star Wars. Those are like my top three things. I don't really watch much else, but no, it's cool. I love the format and it, it's like a mini movie and it, it allows you more of a chance to tell more stories. Would Moon Knight have gotten his own movie at some point? Maybe, but they're so focused on sequels and stuff like that. I don't know if they would have. And even if they did, I'm not sure if it would have gotten the same reaction that it is because it, it spreads out the fun week by week. It's not like you just see it once and that's it. So I, I'm digging it and I'm really liking the six episode formats they're doing too. Yeah. Oh man. You just, you sparked my, my big analogy that, that blends pro wrestling with the MCU. And that's that you mentioned the idea of Moon Knight getting his own movie. I look at Disney plus as the MCU's NXT. And this is where they test out characters because at the end of the day, if this show completely fails, if no one watches it, who cares? Disney plus still has, as of, I believe November, 118 million subscribers worldwide. <laughs> like you're paying seven bucks a month or however much your tier costs you, whether you watch this show or not. So if no one watches Moon Knight, if this show completely bombs, it's not a financial loss. Like mm -hmm. if this goes to theaters and it doesn't make back its production budget, we're we're waving white flags. We're giving up on the character. We're burning the franchise. We're can canceling plans for sequels. But here, if Moon Knight fails, oh, well, you know, we'll stick him in an Avengers movie to give him his end finale and everything. Mm -hmm. But we won't do a season two because there's no interest. On the other hand, though, if it booms, we see what happens with Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch, going from WandaVision to now being a main player in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. We see the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The mantle is officially passed, and they greenlight Captain America 4. They didn't greenlight Captain America 4 
before Falcon and Winter Soldier came out. Yep. They waited for the reception, and then they said, this Anthony Mackie guy, he was an NXT champion. Let's have a main event WrestleMania. <laughs> I love that I got to make that comparison on this podcast because I've, I've mentioned it on my show before, and 99% of my audience is like, what the hell is NXT? Yeah. What yeah. are you talking about? And the 1% that understands my wrestling references, they're like, wait a minute. He might be onto something. Yeah. So I think Moon Knight is uh, is a great character, but I do think he's one of those feeder system characters where you don't get Oscar Isaac to just do a streaming series. Obviously, the mentality and the vibe behind television in modern Hollywood is very different than 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it'd be looked at as a downgrade. Oh, you're going down to TV. You're mm-hmm. no longer doing major motion blockbusters. Streaming shows basically have the same production budget as our Avengers movies these days. But I think someone like Oscar Isaac this guy's a movie star. We're talking Ex Machina. We're talking Dune. We're talking, for better or worse, all three sequel trilogy Star Wars movies where he was a top build actor. I think this guy is being primed, maybe not for a Moon Knight solo movie, but I think they're going to take all of our spooky dudes together, our Blades, our Werewolf by Night, our Moon Knight, our Black Knight, all the different knights that are going on, maybe even a Doctor Strange, maybe bring in Punisher, Ghost Rider, team them up, Midnight Suns, your own little spooky Avengers, make it a movie. I think it would go crazy yeah i think so too they're building a great roster and i think the cool thing is that in the last year they've really focused on a lot of those fresh faces like we had early on in the disney plus era of the mcu they had wandavision falcon winter soldier obviously characters we're familiar with loki um hawkeye and we had newer characters in those shows like the young avengers i'm sure is inevitable i mean that's obviously coming at some point but now we're focusing on properties that like you mentioned before, I felt like you were targeting me specifically, Liam, when you were talking about people like that, it, it got them interested in Moon Knight when they saw the commercials and they wanted to learn more about it. That was literally me. Like I've only, the only Marvel I really consume for the most part is the shows and the movies. I know nothing about the comics, but if I see a cool commercial for a show coming up or a cool movie, it's going to make me want to learn more about it, watch more videos on it, learn up on theories, read up on theories, stuff like that. So that's kind of where we are. We have Moon Knight now. Um, uh, Marvel's coming out in June and other many other shows after that. So they're building a great, I mean, I don't want them to pull an AEW and introduce so many new people at one time that uh, some certain people get lost in the shuffle, but we're getting that turnover rate because a lot of the characters may not be coming back or some were killed off in Avengers and Endgame and whatnot. So I think it's cool. And, and so far it's been a success. Really, they've had what <clears throat> six shows so far, including this one, we're only two episodes in, but. They haven't had financially, I don't know, but critically, it doesn't seem like they've had a bomb yet. Like some shows have been weaker than others. Every single one has had something different to offer, which I love. It's like a WrestleMania 17 of shows. There's something different for everyone, which is cool. Another wrestling reference. I can't, I can't help myself, but <laughs> it, it's, it's cool. And, and I think it, they do it so consistently. You would think that you would get burned out on this stuff because they do it so often. We literally had like what five shows last year, four movies in the span of 12 months. Crazy, but it was all pretty good stuff for the most part. I didn't really care too much about Eternals and that was a movie, but the rest of it, you know, I thought was great. And I think they're doing a great job of coming out with new content, doing it effectively, not doing too much at one time and keeping people engaged in talking about Marvel. And it's not just movie after movie where you see it once we talk about it for a few days and that's it. Um, Like with Batman, I saw that a month ago, everyone was talking about it for a little bit and it was a great movie, but you know, we're not talking about it now. But with Moon Knight, we're talking about it for six weeks plus or straight, no pun intended. So um, I think it's cool. I think they're doing a great job with it. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from here. And I do appreciate, too, you mentioned the idea of so many shows going on. I like I like the fact that they spread them out just enough. I thought yeah. 
Falcon Winter Soldier was a little bit cannibalized by the WandaVision kind of hangover. Everyone was so happy after the finale. And then Falcon Winter Soldier, boom, in two weeks. And I love that show. It's my favorite of the bunch. I'm just a sucker for the Captain America lore and everything. But I understand why some people were put off by it because I think it was too much too fast. Then you gave Loki a nice month and a half gap. I believe Mm -hmm. it was even close to two months. People were jazzed again for Marvel Weekly shows. Then again, you make them wait until Hawkeye because what if was kind of, you know, it was animated. It wasn't as appointment viewing. And now we waited, you know, between Hawkeye, Spider-Man No Way Home. We waited three months for Moon Knight and I was jazzed. I was like, it felt like Christmas Eve. That's part of the reason why I was like, I'm not going to breeze through these early access screeners. I want to (laughs) wake up Wednesday morning and feel like a kid on Christmas. Oh my God, Marvel content. It's, It's very fun. So I'm enjoying the show so far. I'm excited to see the twists and turns. They go through. We didn't really dive too much into the plot uh, of this show, and I know we're we're running a little late here, so I don't want to go. Too yeah, sorry about that. Here. No, no, <laughs> that's my boy. Talk a lot. We're golden. I I've loved this conversation, but as for the plot itself, Ethan Hawke is putting glass in his shoes. Egyptian gods are rising from the cracks in the floor, and we have woken up in the country of Egypt. Pyramids are outside, and Mark Spector is now in control. For anyone in the chat. Who has not seen Moon Knight? That probably sounded like a bunch of lucha underground <laughs> mumbo jumbo to you. But I want to know what you think of the vibe of the show in terms of the storylines. You literally just hit the nail on the head and took the words right out of, my, out of my mouth without even me thinking about saying it. You just kind of laid out what I should have said, and that it really does feel like the lucha underground of Marvel shows, <laughs> and that it's a bunch of crazy ass shit. But it works. It works, man. Like you say that out loud and it sounds crazy for anyone who hasn't seen the show or doesn't even watch Marvel or whatever. But you watch it and you're hooked. It's compelling. Like they again, they just find ways to take new characters and and do right by them immediately. Like like you said, I think there's more to come in the episodes to come. It kind of gives me WandaVision vibes. And the WandaVision was a great show even early on with all the references and the way they styled the show. But the first couple of episodes were kind of like slowly building and we got like one great cliffhanger by episode three four i forgot which exactly but by like three you're like all right i see where they're going with this and i can understand what's going on that was a bit of a longer show that was nine episodes this is shorter um but this is kind of along the same lines where i understand if you're not hooked immediately but you probably should be and just keep watching because you mentioned nxt before marvel feels like the nxt of like that universe as far as like i mean maybe not now with nxt 2.0 unfortunately but i think the takeovers like the movies were never they, they never not delivered like some were obviously weaker than others you know you had the nxt fatal four ways with like thor one and two for you know whatever but you still had some great you know movies overall and they were always delivering and the show so far have been the same thing but yes the plot is cool i can't even begin to skip skip speculate excuse me where they go from here what they do next um but it, it's different enough to where it has me hooked and i like the fact that it is so vastly different than hawkeye and so vastly different than loki which also kind of dealt with time travel which i enjoyed and I enjoy those shows a lot for different reasons. Um, but this is a little bit more on the phase and an era of, of Marvel that in what, 14 years that we're approaching now of the MCU that we haven't even scratched the surface of like, that is scary. Like of all the movies and shows that have come out, they haven't even gotten to that era of, of that type of stuff that we're starting to see in the show, which I think is really, really cool. So like I said, not to sound like a broken record, but I'm very excited to see where the rest of the show goes from here. And, uh, you know, even if I didn't watch the show, Disney already has my money. But, you know, they, they, they could take more of my money because the show is great. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to future weeks. I'm looking forward to seeing how this mystery unravels. Who the heck is Mark Spector? What's his relationship with Stephen Grant? And why is Arthur Harrow obsessed with Egyptian gods? Night One sending in another funny comment. Moon Knight is custom made for Lucha Underground. You are not <laughs> kidding. I could easily see Penta Pentagon Jr. donning a Moon Knight costume and doing a tope su suicida off the top rope. But another co uh, comment I want to end this stream with here. Seller Justin Lopez, did y'all get your Multiverse of Madness tickets? They obviously went on sale yesterday ahead of the may 6th premiere uh have you gotten your tickets yet graham no dude so that's the thing i was literally just thinking about this like i said liam like i told this to doc like the other day i forgot if we were on the phone or if i was just dming with him you are my go-to marvel guy for like literally everything so you're a great follow <laughs> i mean obviously everyone in the chat already follows you anyway but like yeah i follow other people that are high on marvel but you're like the go-to mcu direct guy so you got all the info i did not know because i really haven't been on twitter a lot like i said over the last week with mania stuff. Um, I've been on like the last couple of days and I saw that they went on sale. I'm like, oh, when are they going on sale? And I got distracted with, I forgot. And then like, so I literally didn't know they went on sale yesterday until you just mentioned it 10 seconds ago. So I'm probably when we're done here, going to have to go look that up and see what's still available. Like, is it as bad as no way home? Like, cause I was on the AMC website for like hours. So is it that bad or no? I don't think so. I haven't got my tickets yet. That's for a different reason. A little tease for oh, anyone watching. Okay. Um, but uh, no, I don't think it was as bad as No Way Home. Um, uh, Avengers Endgame was also built up as like, they, they like to build up the tickets go on sale as like an event because they want the servers to crash. For like sure. They want, yeah. they want everyone to be like, oh, well, you know, we have to open up more showtime because it's just so in demand and everything. Like they're playing the game here and I respect it. But at the end of the day, I don't think that these tickets sell as crazy as they do if they didn't make a big deal out of it of tickets go on sale now, get them before they're too late. Uh, I, I think you're going to be fine. You'll easily be able to get uh, a Thursday showing a late Thursday showing. And there's tons of theaters probably within your, your radius. So I, I don't think you're going to be in a no way home panic for, for tickets like we were in December. You think it'll be good if I wait until it comes out to get a Thursday showing, or if I get it now, you think I'll be okay. I think, I think you definitely want to do it at least two weeks in advance. I'll, I'll okay, say okay. that much. I think day of, I think you're you're playing a, a dangerous game there. Yeah. I remember <laughs> when I went to see Avengers Endgame, I saw it Thursday with my friends, cried like a madman for all of Act 3, and I was so obsessed with the feeling it gave me that I went back to see it again the next day, and I specifically, I was like, I'm going to a theater that doesn't pre-book tickets because I know it's sold out everywhere. Yeah. And that theater, I waited in line for tickets for two hours. Like oh it was a freaking God. general admission concert where you want to get a good spot in the pit. Yeah. I was like, this is insane. This is a movie. Like this is a, this is a, <laughs> a auditorium seating uh, theater. It's nothing special. There's no recliners. There's no waiter service. This is just an ev everyday movie. And there's such a demand for it. Uh, I miss that feeling. Avengers Endgame with someone else. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, no, I was the same way. It's funny you mentioned that. I like saw it that Thursday night. Loved it. And like, it was one of those things, like literally, I think the only other Marvel movie I did this was, was, no, was No Way Home a couple of months ago, which was fun. You know, actually, you know, what's hysterical. We actually talked the day I saw No Way Home the second time. I saw it on Friday. Yes, we did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the <laughs> next day we did the review for Hawkeye. I think it was the series for now, the second, the, the penultimate episode, whatever it was. And then I was like, yeah, I got to go. I'm going to see the movie a second time, like right now. And I think I bought tickets like in the front row that night. So yeah, I did the same thing with Endgame. I think I saw it early the next day. And because uh, I was like, I cannot see it. And I, I got to see it. If I don't see it now for a second time, I probably won't see it at all. Like I need to go when I'm still in the mood. So um, we'll see if Multiverse of Madness is the same thing. But I'll definitely try to get my tickets ahead of time to make sure I could see it 
that Thursday or Friday. I'll probably I'm more of a a Friday person. I've seen him. I saw Endgame on Thursday. I saw No Way Home on Friday. I'll probably go Friday. Fuck SmackDown. Sorry. I know there's a wrestling <laughs> podcast. Now you, I know you review it on your channel and stuff, but like, yeah, Multiverse of Madness is where it's at. So I look forward to it. Yeah, that feverish excitement, though, that's what makes these event films feel like event films. And for myself and Graham and for anyone else who likes Marvel and pro wrestling, we're going to be eating good over the next couple months between Multiverse of Madness, Moon Knight wrapping up, Double or Nothing at the end of May, WrestleMania Backlash, whatever happens with Cody Rhodes on a weekly basis. It's going to be great. It's never been a better time to be a fan of all these fantastical properties, but that's been your Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. To so follow Graham on socials, it's at WrestleRant. But Graham, now's your time. Any Anything you got going on fun for Bleacher Report or any other, other of the sites you contribute to that you want to plug? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, This isn't like current, but last week I talked to The Undertaker um, ahead of the Hall of Fame, which was awesome. Absolute awesome guy just incredible that you talk about like bucket list items that was like <clears throat> i have a like a list of people i've wanted to interview i put it together about a year ago wrestling people non-wrestling related people someone i never thought i would get to talk to was him he was on the list and i talked to him and he was great so um that's on bleacher report i have that in video form on my youtube channel you mentioned it but everything is wrestle rant it's twitter's wrestle rant youtube's wrestle rant that's pretty much all it is <clears throat> and i have the video with uh with taker on there eric bischoff i spoke with that's on the channel as well uh dolph ziggler i had i did that interview before mania weekend i'm gonna put that up soon uh that'll be up on fan sided people could check that out it was back when you're still nxt champion but still a great chat nonetheless and uh plenty of other non-wrestling related stuff as well uh coming in the days to come so yeah everything's on twitter facebook and youtube at wrestle for more uh you know people could check that out and all the i did more interviews than when i was at mania too i had the cody media scrum but everyone else already posted i'll probably post my video just in case just for the hell of it and i talked to aj and becky while i was there too and those interviews will be up also on the channel in days to come so uh, i think that's everything i appreciate you let me uh, take the time to uh, plug that stuff of course big things i don't want you all to subscribe i want you to all put that notification bell on to make sure you're not missing <laughs> any of these wrestle rant videos because it sounds like we're going to be having so much content in the coming days night one i want to spotlight one more time for the fun thursday podcast have a good weekend everyone thank you so much for being so active in the chat night one and thank you for the kind sentiments for me you can find me on all socials at liam t crowley for any of my personal content the direct.com wrestlinginc.com whole lot of podcasts articles Whatever, however you like to consume content. If you like to read, I got articles for you. If you like to listen, I got podcasts for you. Uh, and also video content over on Wrestling Inc. on TikTok. Daily wrestling updates, usually about three a day. We also got clips from the Wrestling Inc. Daily hosted by Nick Hausman, uh, which are great. Whole bunch of stuff coming out from WrestleMania weekend in the coming days. So like I said, if you are interested in this kind of content, we will be feeding you pretty good over the next coming months because the content just does not slow down. But again, for Graham, I've been Liam. Thank you so much for tuning in to your Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Tune back in here again tomorrow, immediately following SmackDown for a review of that show with a whole different crew. But for all of us here, take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.